This week's episode is about artificial intelligence. You know, our, our thoughts about this technology, um, where we think it could be going in future, and you know what what the benefits and potential pitfalls might be. Whether it potentially represents some sort of existential threat to the human race. Um, and we get in a little bit to get into the idea of how technology can sometimes be used in creative endeavors and what the purpose of uh, artificial intelligence is for helping with knowledge work and that sort of thing. So hopefully you enjoy the, uh, the conversation and with that we'll get into it. Good day, Cam. How, how are you traveling? What have you been up to lately? Just work, basically, and a little bit of Emacs coding. Um, I did end up writing another package, although it's I think it's so specific to me that uh, probably no one else will be interested. Um, it's an alternative to directory locals. If anyone's um, an Emacs user, they might know what that means. Just having custom project-level configuration. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I've been doing. But otherwise, a bit of optimization work and general development and stuff um yeah how about yourself yeah look nothing too special i mean you can't really get away with anything too special at the moment with the lockdowns that we've got going around due to uh, coronavirus if anyone's wondering i mean apart from that it's just the usual work and and play stuff i'm actually on a holiday at the moment just for a couple of weeks i've had a few uh, projects around the place to to try and knock off in that time so that's what i've been working on lately um as far as the computer stuff goes i've just recently set up a, a new machine and i've switched to arch as my my distro i was previously on kubuntu um so just spending a bit of time getting used to the alternative setup there and um having a bit of fun with that and yeah, apart from that, just enjoying a bit a bit more time with the family over these couple of weeks of my leave. Does um, Arch seem quicker or is there anything anything that you notice different about it? Because for me, I've been using it for so long, it just feels normal. And whenever mm. I try anything else that I do mm. often, but um, I have tested other distros a few years ago. And mm. um, yeah, they all seem kind of strange and I ended up going back to Arch. Yeah, it's interesting. The thing I love about Arch, just the concept of Arch, is the fact that it's not opinionated. Um, you, you just have access to um, all, all of the packages and that it's uh, um, very up-to-date. Everything's very up-to-date. Like I had, in, in the past, I had lots of issues with certain packages not being the, the version that I needed to be able to um, achieve some sort of workflow and I needed to, you know, look at messing around with getting snaps or, or flat packs or something similar, installing via PIP instead of through the package manager, the, the OS package manager and that sort of thing. And it's just nice to, with, with Arch being a situation where packages that you install, you're not going to have any problems as far as what version they're up to. Um, everything's pretty bleeding edge. In terms of speed and that sort of thing, it hasn't really struck me as um, significantly different to what I was used to on Kubuntu. It's a little bit difficult for me to judge because I've sort of changed a lot of variables all, all at once with um, setting up this new machine. It's it's a different machine to what I've, I was previously using 
at the same time as that I switched OS um, and and further to that I've gone from a, a normal SSD hard drive to a um, an M.2 NVMe um, hard drive so in terms of speed differences and that sort of thing it's hard to judge exactly where those differences are coming from and I'm, I'm not 100% sure whether there is a huge um you know speed difference or, or benefit in arch as opposed to another distro but i i am quite enjoying it um but it's it's for a, a bunch of reasons apart from just performance stuff all right so do you want to get into the main topic yeah for sure so our topic that we were looking at doing today is uh, just a conversation around artificial intelligence what our understanding is of you know the, the current state of play of the technology goes um whether we have concerns with where where the technology technology might go in future and where there might be dangers associated with it yeah and, and just to be clear as far as ai goes we're just two yobbos down at the pub or something <laughs> not that we go to pubs very much but our opinion isn't really we're not researchers on AI no, we or anything. Don't have any We're... vested interest or anything. Yeah. Well, I have a vested interest. I'd like AI to. Well, I have. Well, a, it's not. I have a vested interest in remaining alive. If if that's the oh, extent pff. of what we're. Okay, but we're not. We're not experts on AI, basically. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, um, take our opinion with a grain of salt, basically. Yeah. But we thought it would be fun to talk about. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. Um, it's a topic that has just come up in conversation for us previously, and and we we find we find the idea intriguing. And between us, we've probably got a pretty different approach to how we think about the whole domain. Um, so we just thought it might be interesting to um, record the conversation. All right. So with that, I think we better just get into it. Let's do it. So to start off with, do we need to go over definitions? Like, what do what do we mean when we talk about AI? What what is AI? Well, I think it's worth um, maybe just distinguishing machine learning from AI yeah. or machine learning from AGI. Yeah. Probably, I mean, I'm sure if people know anything about this, they've this is all pretty uh, typical stuff, typical terms. But machine learning is more like uh, being able to recognize, you know, training um, a fairly simple system to be able to recognize things or categorize things, or we could even play games, play computer games and stuff. It can do some pretty advanced stuff, but you wouldn't, uh, it's it's very narrow. It's mm. narrowly focused mm. um, intelligence, whereas artificial general intelligence is more like what a human would have, mm. or, or even an animal, I suppose, you know, sort of general intelligence that can be applied to different um, different aspects so you know you, you wouldn't have ai that's been trained to play go just go and play chess yeah so i mean if um like if, if you're talking about like um your concept of ultimate or true ai um does that include something that is um like sentient or self-aware or is that something separate to i see that as pretty separate yeah consciousness could come along for the ride but i think that's it's kind of a separate issue yeah, yeah. but it's a pretty big issue of course but i don't like as far as humans go if we have agi many of the uh 
advantages or disadvantages will come about whether that's you, you want to consider that conscious or not. But I mean, that's just my sense of things. Yeah. Do you have thoughts on that? Or? Yeah, whenever the topic comes up, uh, more I hear arguments for or against, um, you know, the benefits of this sort of technology. I, I always wonder exactly what um, the people speaking mean when they talk about AI and and just this this concept of artificial general intelligence, which seems to be a pretty ephemeral sort of concept to me um it doesn't seem it seems it doesn't seem like there's a a clearly established definition of what agi means exactly that everyone's everyone agrees on so i feel like it's you know potentially necessary to clarify what your understanding of it is whenever you enter into a discussion about the topic you know if that makes sense there isn't some well-articulated definition that I haven't sort of prepared, but I would just assume that any uh, intellectual job that you could give a human, you you would be able to give AGI, mm. and it would be it would be able to perform well human-level AGI because there could be AGI that has the sort of the general intelligence of a fruit fly. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think there's even computers that are quite even that level yet. But yeah. Yeah. just assuming this is human-level AGI, yeah. which is sort of a shorthand for AGI that we would be very interested in. That's pretty significant. So the sort of like human level AGI that you're talking about, is that uh, intelligence that's capable of of decision making? Sure. I mean, just everything, everything that a human can do. Yeah. It could do plus all of the crunching numbers that a Mm. regular computer could do. But isn't that just what ML is? Is just just decision making based on your decision trees or something similar. Yeah, but it's not general. So, uh, according to your your the definitions that you're working with, um, the difference really between AGI and ML is really just uh, a matter of scope, like how, how narrow um, that the scope of each one is. Narrow yeah, or wide. yeah, I think that's yeah. kind of built into the. Assumption that general, I mean, that that's the important bit, that it's general, yeah, no, because fine. machine that, learning can this, this might do all be, sorts of stuff. This might be, like, generally understood. I'm not sure. This is sort of, like, explained to me, like, I'm five type yeah, stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, fair enough. So, um, <laughs> so if, we, if we're talking about um, AGI specifically, do you think this is a technology that, <clears throat> if, if we can perfect it, is um, is going to be like sort of most other technologies that we've come up with so far in that it's like a two-edged sword. It's, you know, it can be used for either good or ill. Or do you think it's going to be something that's more likely to be um, to, to, to be hazardous for us or, or more likely to be just more beneficial for us? What, what's your thoughts there? I think framing it, in that way is a little naive. Mm-hmm. And that's actually an issue I have when I listen to interviews with people on this topic. They seem to either be very concerned that it's going to be a big problem, which is justified, mm. but it's almost like they're assuming that it's going to be a monolithic thing, like AI or AGI is going to be monolithic and it's going to be great for us or it's going to be terrible for, for us. And I think... Any technology that's very generic and that will be 
I would assume, be used by many people. It'll be used for anything and everything. It's, you know, it's like saying, is the internet good or bad? Is the internet used for good or bad? It's like, well, criminals yeah. use the internet, but hospitals also use it, you know? Yeah, so yeah. I suppose you could say that overall, is it going to be a net positive or a net negative? And that's still a fair question. Mm. But I think it's, I mean, it's just going to be both. It'll have to be both. Mm. But then there is the question, does it lead to greater threats, you know, existential threats and stuff? From the discussions that I've listened to recently, um, there's this talk about whether, um, you know, AI or AGI poses a quote-unquote existential threat. Um, and I've, I haven't always been 100% sure exactly what that means itself. Um is it is it an existential threat like um, um a threat a to-, to humanity like, basically yeah like a- atomic bombs are an, an existential yeah, that kind of thing, yeah. threat yeah yeah sure do do you think it's it has the potential to to represent an existential threat to us or i mean technically yes i, I think yes but i think it's such a big unknown hmm. uh, maybe i mean maybe i should mention a little bit more about sort of my thinking on it, because it, the thing that concerns me when I listen to people talk about AI is that I think it's such an unknown that it surprises me people can think anything with any level of surety. Mm. Is yeah. surety a word? Certainty. Certainly, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, because these technologies, they don't exist in a vacuum. They're built upon previously, you know, almost as good technologies. So any technology like this is going to be a feedback loop with the newer iterations being slightly better than the previous and everyone com- competing against each other, as in companies and countries competing against each other to make more effective technologies that anything that comes to be that is you would consider AGI, I think it's highly unlikely that that comes out of the blue. Like theoretically possible, someone just invents AGI one day, but more likely these technologies will come about in a world that has something very close to what to what it or what is already there. Yeah. And so there's going to be an interaction between society, the existing technologies and something that's just that much better. Mm. And that's very hard to guess what would happen. It just you know, because society will have already been molded somewhat to well well even just to if you think about some of the machine learning that's available today. Yeah. You know, if everyone had access to all the best machine learning available today, we would be Somewhere along the path, we're already going to be some somewhat primed for what's coming compared to yeah, what we are now. yeah, and that interaction. You know, it's not like every company is going to be thinking about, oh well, let's make sure we don't do anything that's an existential risk. Many companies will be trying to profit out of it, and you know, uh, capture people's attention and entertainment and the rest of it. You know, there's going yeah. to be people trying to figure out how they can use AI for gambling, for dating yeah. sites. Uh, anything that it can be applied to. I mean, I'm sure this is happening already for machine learning. Once you've got a technology that's powerful, there'll be people trying to use it in every domain at once, basically. And that's going to be continuously happening as it improves. Yeah. So I think it's just really hard to guess what the state of play will be at the point that something like AGI happens. And so whether it's a threat or not will depend on how that new AGI interacts with, with what is already there. Yeah, so you don't think we'll be in a situation where um, 
like by your definition, we won't be in a situation where there's a specific point in time where prior to that point there was no such thing as AGI, and then after that point there is, and uh, there is AGI. I think it's unlikely. Yeah. I think most of these things with technology are iterative. Yeah. It's it's not like I'm not saying. <laughs> It sounds like I'm saying it's impossible. I don't mean it's impossible. It just seems very, very unlikely. To give a counterpoint, I suppose it could be the case that these things can exist, but not in a way that most people have access to them. So yeah, maybe it it can be more sudden than I'm making out. Mm. I just suspect that since it's already an area that a lot of people would like to monetize and integrate into their businesses, it's unlikely that that you'll get this sort of AGI just happening from from nothing. Sneak up on us, yeah. 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 But yeah, I'm sort of agnostic as to whether it will be a net gain or a net negative, or maybe more on the negative side, just because I think replacing a large number of jobs is just going to be really disruptive. But that doesn't mean it's a long term negative. It just means it could be a short term yeah. problem. A hundred years maybe or fifty years, but not, yeah, I think not it's further. Probably a similar situation for any technology that is somehow disruptive, you know. Um the, the disruption is gets corrected eventually in the long term. Um, it's sort of the you know benefit or drawbacks that they sort of um, they fall back to like a baseline level. But um, when the when the disruption is occurring, it's it's a period of um, yeah, it's a tumultuous time, and it, it causes. You know, depending on the the scale of of the disruption, it, it can cause you know inequality from a social perspective and that sort of thing, and uh, those sort of effects. But um, I I would imagine that the sort of technology we're talking about um, in uh, AGI, it, they could end up being leaps forward in the technology that are significant enough to cause you know um, substantial disruption as far as you know how we function as a society but i do think that long longer term um, it's something that you know the society will will adapt to yeah and even if even if the adaptation is to get rid of it at some point Mm. although it does seem like the kind of thing that once you have you don't really want to get rid of yeah, I, I I don't imagine that that will that that will be the case, but yeah, like you say, we we just don't know. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And with the existential risk side of it, I'm less worried than some very doom and gloom type attitudes towards this because I think there'll just be enough poorer countries that don't have the technology that you know if if they can see that things are going sideways in uh, richer countries, they will maybe reject it or won't necessarily touch everyone at once in the same way. It'll it'll be uh, at different levels in different countries. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. I I mean I don't think we've we have any other examples in um, past human history of um, new technologies that are effective in themselves that have been rejected by society. Ultimately, true. Yeah. Yeah. So it would be, it would be unlikely. Something that I didn't mention but I think is, is important is that I think it makes a really big difference how accessible this is to people. For example, certain technologies, they can be regulated because they're just very difficult to make. So building an entire car from scratch or making a, a CPU from scratch, 
it's just above the regular person, like so far above the regular person's ability that we don't need to spend a lot of time worrying about people making their own cars and driving them around on the street they and sort of being a danger to people. They self- self-regulate because of their complexity. Yeah. Well, not necessarily self-regulating, just that it's possible to regulate them. Mm. Like you couldn't regulate software in the same way you can regulate cars. Well, it's, yeah. The dreaded car analogy, I know, in the <laughs> yeah, yeah. open source world, well, everyone hates yeah. the car analogy. But but CPUs, for example, yeah. or, or electrical equipment, you know, certain yeah. kinds of equipment you can regulate because not everyone is just at home soldering their own toasters together. You know, it's it's mm. you can have quality standards and stuff, whereas with software, anyone can write it. Even with machine learning, it's simple enough for people yeah. people to write their own machine learning that you you can't just say, oh, we're not going to have facial recognition. You know, you can't do that because people can write their own facial recognition reasonably easily. Well, yeah, but I'm I'm not sure it's down to indiv- whether individuals can do that sort of sort of work or not. When it comes to facial recognition, if if um, if the authorities decided that they wanted to regulate it so that um, facial recognition technology wasn't allowed, there'd still be a black market for it because um, because there's financial incentives in being able to utilize that sort of technology. Sure, but that's what I'm getting at: is there would be a black market because it wouldn't be as difficult to make facial recognition as it would be to create a new CPU, for example. Mm. There's a big difference between everyone with a compiler and a bit of technical know-how being able to do it and a large company with their own specific hardware and, you know... Yeah, where- I mean, it's, yeah it's really just a question of return on investment. Like, you know, it might be possible to... You know, it might be physically possible to manufacture a CPU or, or do some hardware thing, but, you know, you have to outlay such a huge amount of um, expense to be able to get to the point of doing that to, you know, to <clears throat> sell the item, whether that's on the black market or not, to get something back. It's just, it doesn't make sense in terms of return on investment. But yeah, sure, but that's that's, but that's the point. That's the point argument. is that yeah, it's difficult. Right. The, the yeah, barrier, right. it's just, is the barrier of entry very high or not? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it can be anything yeah. in between, of course, yeah. but that will make a big difference because if if people, if anyone who's motivated can make their own AGI or have their mm. own AGI, do whatever they want, you won't really be able to regulate it. Yeah. Because any regulation would be effectively like trying to regulate what people write on their own computers mm. today. And that's not going to happen. Hmm. Whereas if it's if it happens to involve like specific hardware, for example, that you can't just get a regular computer and program it to have AGI. If it involves like who knows what it involves, quantum computers, something like this. If it involves something very very advanced that only a handful of companies can build, it would be possible to regulate it hmm. in a way that you wouldn't be able to if anyone can create it. Yeah, I mean, just because something's more difficult to or complex to to regulate doesn't necessarily mean that there's not going to be an attempt at regulation like when you think of the internet for example that was um um the internet made made it a lot easier for every tom dick and harry to have a a platform to communicate with people to share knowledge and that sort of thing and some some of that 
some of that communication and that knowledge sharing um, was less than savoury. So the the powers that be started to look at trying trying to to regulate the network, and it's not a simple thing to do for, for something like the internet. But it's it doesn't mean that it's not going to happen in some way. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't mean you can't regulate it. You're right. So I think it's more like a policy issue where companies will have certain constraints on things they're allowed to do or not. And if they violate those policies, they'll be fined. But it's not as if... Uh, they, they can't physically like, like do they'll it. They'll be able it's, to do yeah. it. Yeah, it's not like they can't physically do it or, or they if they get you know individuals who are motivated to, to mm. write the software to, to do whatever they want. They can't do it. It'll just be that they're not meant to do it. Mm. But that still means like many people will do it, yeah. uh, will break those policies or people in other countries that don't have those rules, that kind of thing. Yeah, and I think um, the, the danger as far as that sort of thing goes with respect to AGI is clear. That's definitely going to be a risk with this sort of technology because I think it's clear that this sort of risk associated just with the, the current um, machine learning technology that we that we have available Um you already see examples of uh, machine learning technology being applied um, in situations where the goal is not legal or or, um, or ethical. So I think it's something that um, there certainly needs to be safeguards for um, to try and avoid as much as possible as, as we further develop the technology. Yeah. Well, I don't really have strong opinions about this kind of thing, but facial recognition does have a creep factor. Mm. particularly because there can be false positives. And there's been a few reports recently where people have been put in jail or arrested based on facial recognition when it, mm. it's been the wrong person and that kind of thing. Mm. And, I yeah, and as far as machine learning type stuff goes, I think the, the concept of um, machine learning platforms being able to, you know, harvest large data sets and build up, you know, fingerprints of people in terms of their personality profiles or behavioural profiles, that that sort of thing, I think, can be, uh, is, is a fair bit of a worry. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any shortage of things that are a worry about companies doing weird stuff with our data. Hmm. Yeah, it seems there are all sorts of ways companies could try and draw conclusions from your information where even if you've got nothing to hide, um, you wouldn't necessarily want them to be doing that. Mm. Yeah, and I, I mean, that's that's more of a concern with availability of personal data in in, in sort of a, ho- a wholesale sort of capacity and, and that's something that's already an issue for us. It's not it's not emerging technology. It's something that is, um, is already here. So it's, it probably doesn't relate as much to the concerns around... Um, AGI. Yeah, I have to say, sometimes I don't mind living in Australia because we're just a little bit behind the rest of the world. <laughs> and um, in these cases, I, I'm sort of happy to be a little bit behind. Just, you know, let the other countries beta test all this yeah, yeah. tricky machine learning stuff. And There are benefits to being slow sometimes, it turns out. We'll be a good two years behind everyone else and yeah, maybe avoid some That's of the right, pitfalls. Yeah. There are downsides to it as a well. A lot of the time it's no good, yeah. Yeah. Although I'm not sure how far we are behind other countries now. I think with the inter- I think before the internet, maybe we were five years. It felt like we were five years behind other countries. And now 20. I think it's maybe <laughs> two. Yeah. I, our, our national broadband network is, um, 
it's a shambles. Um, and that puts us very far behind, I think. But, yeah, that's just my opinion. Yeah, well, the internet thing's a little specific because that's, you know, our geographical location. Yeah, our geographical um, situation has an impact on a number of aspects of uh, the sort of society that we um, experience out here. Not, not, in, not in necessarily in bad ways or in good ways, just, um, just has an impact. Yeah, you also live pretty remotely too, though, so your internet is actually yeah, quite yeah, bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm um, a fair way out of... Like, even for, an, even for an Australian, you've got pretty much the worst yeah. internet you could get. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, so I am a little biased as far as that, as far as that <laughs> goes. This is like know. something very f- in the forefront of your mind, whereas that's I've got right. just that's pretty right. fast internet. <laughs> what a life, huh? Yeah, not, not to gloat. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this whole existential threat thing when it comes to AGI, um, from, from the conversations that I've listened to recently regarding the topic um, it seems like a lot of seems like a lot of people view um, AGI as posing an existential threat to us as a species because there's a concern that we will potentially at some point in future be able to create an AGI that um, exceeds our um, our capacity for intelligence um by some measure and there's a concern that you know um the the this agi will then be considered either by itself or by itself and us to be superior to us and the concern is what it's going to do with us after after that yeah it's it's a real concern i think it's it's a legitimate concern um yeah and it's weird, and as has been mentioned by many others, you know, once it's as intelligent as us, it's way more intelligent than us because it's already, you know, it's already got all these advantages that software or computers have, plus the human level intelligence, and you can only assume it could do things much, much faster. I mean, it's it's like the the idea of you know, man tramples on ants because ants, uh, you know, comparatively aren't, aren't significant enough to worry about. I mean, like, I've, I've heard that um, analogy brought up, but it's it's not really the same. Like, if, if you're wanting to use it as a genuine analogy, then the ants would need to be, you know, self-aware or, or sentient or whatever you want yeah, to call it. Yeah, but by comparison, it. maybe we are the ants. I think it would. It, there is some difference, though, because the ants would have to have built us. And if the ants did build yeah, us, I probably would care right. a little bit more about them. But, okay, yeah. the anal- it's still a fair comparison, I think, or a fair concern. You don't seem yeah, to think it's I, such a fair concern. No, I mean, I, it doesn't... <sighs> I It doesn't really make a lot of sense to me because if, if, if we, you know, if, if we assume that it is possible to get to the point in future where we can create an AGI that is at such a level of intelligence that it exceeds us in every, every way. I mean, obviously we have artificial intelligence um, currently which exceeds us in terms of, you know, processing speed and all that sort of thing, but not in terms of, you know, problem solving or, or decision making or whatever. Um, but assuming that we can get to the point in the future where we're able to develop AGI that does exceed us um, in terms of intelligence on every single metric, you'd have to assume in that scenario that 
um, that this intelligence has some capacity for genuine agency or free will or um, ability to you know make decisions in, in isolation um, and not in a, in a purely deterministic sort of way and so to my mind it then becomes a matter of like does this intelligence then have some sort of moral aspect or understanding and in in that case you know if it does then isn't it just a matter of you know shouldn't shouldn't we feel safe with it because it's you know morally incorrect to to exterminate another species sort of thing right that's that's the sort of yeah you know it's a reasonable goes in reasonable point i think the uh, sort of the rebuttal to that would be it may have an interest in preservation of its creators but that would be more like the way we have an interest in not sending ant species extinct so it might not really care about humans it might just think okay those things are one of the many creatures on earth that we should make sure hang around but also isn't particularly interested in our well-being either i think that's the concern i mean yeah but i mean why do we why is it important to us to ensure that um, ant species um, are preserved what's what's the importance of that in the same way that it's important to us that species don't go extinct that that's sort of the the level of caring that I'm thinking. Yeah, but why 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 is it important to us that most species don't go extinct? Is it because we want to um, maintain the general biodiversity because ultimately that biodiversity has a positive inf- impact on on our continued existence. And if so, wouldn't this this amazing general AI have the same line of thinking? Like I, I don't. I, I, I can't give you a good answer to that question. Why don't we want things to go extinct? I think there's a very real sense of losing something, but you can also argue that we don't care that much because things go extinct all the time. Yeah, that's right. But I don't, I don't think that anyone makes the argument that it's um, morally acceptable or, or correct um, to make any species extinct. Like, yeah, I just think that for us, we have a moral imperative to um, to treat um, other forms of life beyond us um, a certain way for, for, like I say, for moral, moral reasons. And if we can get to the point of creating a, an AGI um, in future that has that level of intelligence, why wouldn't it also have some sort of moral aspect to it in, in a similar fashion? Yeah, it may do. I mean, that depends if it's brought up properly, doesn't it? If it's raised properly and taught. Yeah, but then... You know, given a good moral compass and stuff. Yeah, that <laughs> comes back to the, you know, the whole, you know, question of nature versus virtues, nurture. Well, I think there's enough, thing, we know there's enough nurture that, that uh, I mean, this is, look, this is an assumption. If the whole thing's completely speculative, of course, I don't pretend to yeah, know this right. stuff. That's but right. But that's, that's the thing, like, people argue about, you know, these concerns with, AGI, but they don't realize that they're automatically, based on their assumptions, they don't realize that they're automatically straying into other, you know, fields of of, um, inquiry. um, I think you're being a bit, I think they probably do realize that. Maybe they don't flag it as being, hey, this is a different field. But I think some of the conversations go into a lot of detail, so... Yeah, no, no, I've listened to some of them. I'm not sure that they do, but yeah. Okay, okay, well, okay. I might be wrong. Yeah, it's tricky because I, I'm not sure what to think when I listen to some of these conversations because 
I think they're leaving a lot of details out. Maybe yeah. because the, the the conversation would go too long. Maybe because it doesn't make for as good listening. But there is a lot of important details that I think need to be thought about regarding AI. And I suspect the kinds of people that um that do think about this could could expand in great detail. But maybe they don't for the sake of only having a, a two hour interview or something like this. You know, maybe with their university students or something, they go into more detail. Yeah, and for some of those um, discussions that, you know, us, the regular punters have access to, um, it's it's probably just a, a just purely a point of speculation whether it's um, not going into those sort of details is due to just wanting to uh, maintain some sort of brevity or whether it's because there are some... Um, unstated assumptions going on there that you know maybe even the speaker is not aware of themselves but you just you you don't know Um. it feels a little hubris to to assume that we're covering uncharted ground so i'd usually assume other people have thought the same things we've thought yeah I, i guess my main concern is that a lot of the the talks that i've listened to um with some exceptions a lot of them a lot of the speakers are very much people in the in the technology field but a lot of the concerns with this whole concept have a a philosophical um, aspect or something beyond that and and just because someone's an expert in in the field of technology doesn't necessarily mean that they have a really um, well-established understanding of of philosophical concepts you know yeah and you 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 may well have a point there. <laughs> you might have a point. Very generous of me, I know. <laughs> I think maybe it is too early to be philosophical. So to how to say that differently? It's too early to apply philosophy practically to AI because so the problems that are being discussed don't exist yet, regarding to AGI at least. And so all well, the philosophical discussion about think, it is extremely hypothetical not for I machine mean, learning and stuff the, there's moral issues that are philosophical there but for agi you know worrying about consciousness and can the agi suffer and you know fun questions like this yeah but that's i mean it, we don't have to have an existing technology to be able to consider um, the implications from a philosophical perspective oh, definitely but um, that's why i say it's the practical there isn't a practical application for the philosophy. Mm. It's not that the philosophy shouldn't happen. You can philosophize about all sorts of hypothetical situations, but at the moment it's so hypothetical that the people who are being philosophers about this, like they can't test their theories, basically. It's all sort of mm. mind games and speculation. Yeah, that's right. And and it all becomes, when and for that reason, when, when you have any discussions around this stuff, it all, it all becomes a matter of what type of intelligence you're assuming we will be able to create. And you have to start with a, bu- a bunch of prepositions and then argue or discuss from there. It's not possible to, um, to you know, make the arguments on the merits of, you know, what's already existing because we're talking about potential future technology. I don't know if you've heard Max Tegmar speak on this topic, but he's made the point that artificial intelligence is, for all intents and purposes, likely to be an alien intelligence. And we shouldn't make the assumption that it will be anything like human-level intelligence. It'll just Mm. be extremely different, Um, which seems 
it seems like a fair assumption to make actually mm. and that makes yeah. me think even even more to the point that I made earlier that it's just very hard to guess anything about what it's going to be like just because it's going to be so different yeah and I mean as far as that goes um, you know whether you're talking about um, you know potential future AI tech or whether you're talking about potential future contact or communication with alien life um, you know, you, the, the, you're stuck in this situation of um, unavoidably thinking about things in very human-centric ways. You, your thought patterns are anthropomorphic. It's it's not. It's very difficult to sort of conceive of intelligence that's um, fundamentally different from you know what our our intelligence is like. So that has an impact on how well we're able to think through these speculative future things, you know, before they actually happen. Yeah, definitely. Just um, to change the subject a little bit, assuming there's AGI, one of the problems will be almost any intellectual job will be best done by an AGI. That is to say most jobs or many jobs. What do you think the upshot of that will be? Like you're talking about this worry that... um, we'll end up with like a, a wall-e type future where we don't need to do anything. We just sort of float around on our hover chairs and eat and watch movies and don't do anything productive. Is that what you're talking about? Or? Well, no. Well, that's that's jumping to a conclusion. I mean, is that the, <laughs> that could be the conclusion you would jump to. I'm just asking you, like, what do you think would be the upshot of... Um of, of having AGIs that can do intellectual tasks better than humans. I feel like it's potentially somewhat similar to the, uh, the transition that we went through as a species um, going from, you know, pre-industrial to industrial to, you know, information age, um, you know, pre, pre-industrial, like it was very, subsistence based living it was like you had to work hard to survive physically um and but but now we're we're living in a day and age where you know we we don't have to do physical work to stay alive you know we, we need to have jobs you know in the information space to have to make a wage and and to support ourselves and that sort of thing but we have you know welfare arrangement arrangements under the government and that sort of thing so you know it's possible to it, like it's not it's not a, a, a sure thing that you have to have a job to to be able to survive um, physically and and certain and some people will lean on that more than others but there's obviously like the vast majority of people obviously are very keen on um still going ahead and getting a job um more for their sort of higher level intellectual fulfillment well um, that's the point that's just, though they won't be able to do that if computers are, or if agi is better than than them at that or there won't be a market for it because those roles will be filled well, many of them will be. Yeah, but I would think that we'd just find another way of um, of developing our own set of pursuits um, to to still get that um, higher level intellectual fulfilment. Like because what? I mean, what? Do you, sorry, what's that? 
Like what? I don't. I don't know. Like we'll. Come- well, I'm. I'm just asking you. That's. I mean. We'll come up with it at the time, I'm sure. But I. Oh, that's a bit. It's a bit of a wishy-washy answer. <laughs> no, I think. Um, well. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll worry I'm about it later. Of- we'll think about it then. I mean, I'm just. Well, no, no, I'm, I'm just th- thinking about the current situation. I'm, I'm sort of having to think on my feet a little bit, but. Um, but that, that's the interesting question. If if every uh, intellectual job is being done by AGI, what what do humans well, do? Well, it's like f- for me, like I I have a white collar job that that I do um, for the purpose of getting my my wage that supports my my lifestyle. But the, the the lifestyle is the key thing for me, not the work. You know, so like I was saying at the beginning. I've been doing, I've got a bit of time off over these couple of weeks where I'm doing some projects around the house. Like for example, I've, one of the, one of these projects is to build, like we're, we're on an, on an acreage. So they, they tend to have um, like these post and wire sort of farm fences around the properties and that sort of thing. So you don't really put much effort into, into your fences, but your entrance way, there's usually a little bit more work and, and fanciness that goes into your entrance to your property and, and that's what I'm currently doing at the moment. I've, I've just been going through the process of um, um, digging some <clears throat> um, some post holes with a, you know, like a, a petrol post hole digger and I've been setting up some nice cypress pine posts and stuff like that, um, concreting them in and that sort of thing and I'm going to do some rails and all the rest of it. That's I don't need to do any of that stuff to survive um, but I I do that in my spare time and, and like if I wanted to I could I could pay a contractor to do that work out of the wages that I've earned from the <clears throat> from the the white collar job that I actually do um, but I enjoy doing that sort of stuff um, so I do it myself so I mean it, it just because um, yeah, I see where you're going with this. I, I would yeah, pay like someone you to don't, do it. You don't necessarily need to um, ha- have to do something to, to to physically survive to actually want to do it that way. Like you, you you find you find your way to doing things that you get fulfillment out of, and that that's regardless of. Um, it's it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Once you've got your low level needs covered in terms of physical survival, then. Um, it becomes important to you to seek out ways of finding fulfillment for the higher level stuff, you know? Yeah, no, no disagree with any of, well, I could probably disagree with some of that stuff, but generally <laughs> speaking, I see where you're coming from, but I think, yeah, so I think maybe what you're missing or what I didn't express is you can be happy doing all sorts of things, but there's got to be a market for your labor. There's just the practical implication that a lot of intellectual work gets taken up by AGI and then all those people who had those reasonably good jobs then don't have work; they're unemployed. You know, and yeah, even okay, if well, even if welfare covers them to an extent, it's still a fairly yeah. big shake-up to society. Well, maybe we'll just all change to focusing on as far as non-physical work. Maybe we'll just all change to doing creative creative work for. Um, uh, for for economic reasons, or people will switch back from doing white collar stuff to doing 
you know, physical labour again. I, I don't know. Yeah. You seem fairly disinterested. I think it's – well, I find it interesting. You seem to sort of just push it under the rug like, yeah, we'll figure well, out yeah. something. Like I think there's there's interesting things that people would do, but there just isn't a big enough market. But if the, if the market's flooded with people who don't have intellectual work anymore, it would be quite interesting to see what happens. You, you don't seem to want to speculate about that. The market will adjust for it. Like there, there'll be disruptive events in terms of the technology. Sure, so, but it's massively disruptive. It's not just like, oh yes. yeah, you know, these people who were driving now have self-driving cars, so then there won't be as many pizza delivery people. It's it's yeah. it's such a it's massive, massively disruptive, massively disruptive yeah. that yes, but but I mean, but like you say, this this isn't gonna. I mean, our opinion is that this isn't going to happen suddenly. It's going to be an iterative process. So that disruption will be spread over time. Sure, in but still. In terms of how that happens. Pretty so hugely it's, it's disruptive, like saying, though. It's like saying that the change from pre-industrial to where we're currently at is massively disruptive. Of course it is, but it happened over a long period, you know? Yeah, I, I think it's, other than it being a disruptive change, I don't think it's that comparable because it basically makes humans irrelevant in one of the areas that's currently considered the most relevant things for yeah, humans no, to you're achieve. T- you're talking about knowledge work, yeah. Um, and and what this what I'm saying about all this pre-industrial stuff was there was a point in time where there was no no such thing as as knowledge work. So oh, and there's always been knowledge work, not Come for on. economic gain. Sure. I mean, Thousands of years, there would be knowledge. No, no. So people doing accounts, running government. You know, universities existed in Greece thousands of years ago. That's knowledge work, isn't it? The value, yeah. But all the value was on was off the backs of of the people that were working the land. Sure, but there were architects. There were people who were savvy making decisions. That was that's knowledge work. Yeah, yeah. They and they they got a piece of the pie out of the whole thing, but without the people doing the physical work the 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 value system collapses there's no like if if you don't have people doing the 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 work that needs to be done for everyone to survive then there's um there's no no longer any intrinsic value to the the knowledge stuff because it because it ceases to be important okay but that's still the case yeah that's right but yeah uh, yeah so i'm just saying that I mean, sure, sure. There was knowledge type work in the past, but there's whole industries or, or industry sectors that um, that have come into being in in modern times that didn't exist in the past. So, you know, there was a time before when we were doing that sort of work. Surely, there's a way for us to adapt to a time after us needing to do that sort of work. Oh, sure. I'm not saying it's impossible. It might be a really, really big change. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But I was like, I thought you'd be interested in, in thinking about the kinds of things people might do, but you seem very disinterested. Well, no, not disinterested. You're just like, yeah, they'll just, they'll figure it well, out. I'm not, I'm not just you know, disinterested. People will become massagers and garden each other's <laughs> gardens and... I'm, I'm not disinterested. No one wants, I, a, I just, no one wants I, a robot nanny, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe some people do want a robot nanny, but... I'm not disinterested. I just, um, I don't really have any, I don't really feel like I'm, I, I have the knowledge to be able to sort of comment sensibly on, on, on how that might happen or, or what sort of changes might take place as far as that goes. 
Yeah, well, okay. Well, I mean, I don't really know much more or anything more than you do. It's just all speculation. Yeah, but but did did you... Thought of my... It sounds like you are interested in this sort of stuff. So, do you have any thoughts about what might happen or... Well, no, it's just interesting to think what... Well, I find it interesting to think what kind of fields would you not want a machine to be involved with? So, as, as I mentioned, you probably wouldn't want a teacher teaching your kids that's a robot. You'd probably want a human just because you want them to be imprinting off another human, for example. Mm. Um, mm. So, yeah, things to do with childcare and stuff. I think it's you would definitely want a human. Mm. Um, I mean, maybe childcare is not such a problem <laughs> if there are <laughs> fewer jobs to go around, <laughs> but <laughs> um, just it's just an example. What, what about, like, uh, creative um, outputs? Like, I know that there's been some, some sort of... Um, research um technology that's come out recently where there's been um use of machine learning and that sort of thing to to create artwork and that sort of thing i I find that sort of thing quite interesting um i think it's interesting but it seems a little bit gimmicky at the moment yeah but i mean it's interesting to me because um like the the results of, of that machine learning output um you, you couldn't mistake it for um, something that a human has created, but I find that interesting because <clears throat> the way it, it cuts up um, existing um, cr- creative material and remixes it um, and then outputs it, I think it could be helpful for us um, as inspiration for us to do the quote-unquote real artwork off the back of, you know? Well, you can't control what people find is inspiring or not and sure if people find putting all this artwork in a blender and then mixing it up and then spitting out something new is, is an inspiration yeah but it's like i don't it's, know it, to me it doesn't it doesn't seem very compelling but i think it's, it's not impossible that someone can find with with ml type stuff you can control how the, how you can control exactly how the blender blends it you know it's true Maybe I didn't see the ML artwork you saw. Well, I think the stuff I saw wasn't that well, great. Well, I mean, like it's pretty rubbishy sort of stuff, but the, the magic is not yeah. in the ML stuff. The magic is in how us humans interpret it, you know? Yeah, so you've got a point with creative works. You probably wouldn't have seriously good music and books being created by even AGI. Like probably the human experience is unique enough that you would need a human author to write a really good book. Yeah, it's like that. I'm not saying it's. I'm not saying it's impossible for AGI to ever do it at all, but I'm just just speculating. Yeah, I mean, like if if you if it's purely just a matter of running the combinations or, or whatever, um, like people talk about that idea of having an infinite number of monkeys chained to keyboards typing out random letters and then given you know a long enough time scale millions or billions of years one of them will just by pure chance happen to write out all of you know the catcher in the rye or something like that you know but the thing with that is when that monkey eventually types out the full text of the catcher in the rye or whatever i can't remember what the book was um I think people just insert whatever, whatever is, book yeah, they yeah. feel like. thought it was Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Whatever it is, Catcher in the Rye in this situation, is for this um, example, when, when that monkey eventually types all of that out, um, 
they're just going to throw it away with the rest of it. Um, it, it takes the, a human to recognise that that is the catcher in the rye and that's at, that has artistic value. That's um, the recognition of the artistic value of you know, a piece of material um, is 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 a capacity that you get in in a human, not from you know this system that you've got of running all these combinations. You know. Yeah, it reminds me of some. There was some article about a person who made a bunch of MIDI files, sort of well, music on their computer, and they generated such a large combination of music that practically any song that's ever invented is there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And so, and they were claiming that this has implications for copyright, because if anyone invents a song and says, "Oh, that's my song," you can say, "Well, look, so many years ago, I got this computer and generated all this music, and it's it happens to be here." Yeah, and that that is an interesting example. Um, but I think, as far as that that concern with with copyright goes, like um, it might be that all of those song fragments are in that um, in that that large music file that that the guy has um but like again it's um it's recognition of of the value in those song fragments so there's no one's recognized um you know the value in those song fragments because they've just been generated and they've been stored away no one's reviewed it or anything like that so you can't he can't claim that he has the copyright to um, to those fragments because it hasn't been published or the, the, the artistic value of it hasn't been collectively established in, in society, you know? Well, I don't know if I know that. He might have listened to some of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no, but he might have listened to it, but it hasn't been shared or, or like it, it's... But you see what I mean? It's an interesting point that you yeah, can no, I agree. create... I agree practically all the music that could ever be yeah, written and, and and that's why i think it's interesting is because my my question is you know where does the artistic value come from exactly is it in the raw material itself or is it in how we respond to it or recognize it or, or what you know yeah it's an interesting thought if you can have a computer generate a million novels a second then the filtering process or the interesting part is the person that selects the work of interest and shows it to others yeah that's right yeah i mean like if if you had an agi that was capable of um selecting one one novel out of the thousands that have been generated and that novel was um of of artistic interest to to people then that would be an impressive technology like that's that's the key part of it you know yeah, yeah, if it can sort of train itself to, <laughs> to create masterworks, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, I suspect that that would be very difficult because you would need the human experience to be able to appreciate it in the first place. Mm. But that's not impossible to simulate experience either mm. for an AGI, to have a simulated experience that allows them to select things that actual humans would find compelling. Mm. So I'm not saying it's impossible or anything, just that it seems like an extra level of difficulty. You don't just need AGI. You need some very high-quality simulated experience. Yeah, yeah for sure. That, for sure. Yeah. Which may be necessary. I've heard people talk about that. That may be necessary anyway. Apparently, one of the problems with with AGI, with AI in general, is, is teaching it. It's actually a teaching problem. Yeah. Because we, we have, you know, we currently have com- computers that are able to so- select options based on 
you know, whatever criteria is given to them. The, the tricky part for machine learning and AI is, like you say, that the teaching aspect is, is knowing, um, is the ability to learn what the right decisions are in the right context, you know. Yeah, having what we would call common sense, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, that's right. You need to have life experience to make reasonable decisions. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, AGI on its own, part of it will probably be how to to get to that point yeah. Yeah. where it's not just an intelligent processor. It's actually Something that's either been taught the got, right got, stuff or, or what have you. It's yeah. been taught the right stuff either through actually being taught or through simulated experience that can be uploaded onto it. So is there anything else you wanted to cover about uh, the general topic of AI and AGI? Yeah, no, look, uh, nothing else in particular f- for me. That's uh, probably a good point to um, to finish it off there. Thank you for joining us for the conversation today. Uh, if you'd like to listen to previous episodes, you can find them at our website, which is conversationsincode.xyz. For any feedback, suggestions, or other thoughts, you can email us at conversationsincode.xyz at gmail.com we'll catch you next time see you later